What's up, friends? Happy Wednesday. Surprise podcast drop. I ripped the audio from my recent live video with Trip Fuller responding to a Mark Driscoll, Charlie Kirk interview. Yeah, it's as bad, if not worse, than what you're thinking right now. Mark has a new book out called... Uh, New Day's Old Demons, I believe that's the name of it, and here's what I will tell you about this interview, or this response I did with Trip. Number one, there's a lot of adult language, Trip was not having any of this nonsense, and so this is a heavy episode, a lot of heavy themes, there's a mention of sexual assault, so just be aware of all that as you listen, but also, this response video demonstrates how gifted communicators like Mark, he is a good communicator, there's no way around it, how they can really persuade people to believe things that are blatantly either untrue or um, or they misrepresent sources but present them as factual and people don't know how to fact check. And Trip and I go through a lot of this video unpacking a ton of Mark's claims that he's standing on his, the historic tradition or even the Bible. And, and Trip does most of the talking in those moments. I just let the biblical scholar go ahead and go to town and he definitely did. So I hope you enjoy this um, this podcast I'm, I'm sending to all of you. I will say one more thing about this. If you want to watch all the facial expressions and me and Tripp's reactions, you can go to our YouTube channel and watch the full thing. It's still up live on YouTube for all of you to witness. And friends, last thing I'll say is this week, as I am telling you this in my microphone, I will be traveling with our board of directors and two of our key volunteers to really think about the next two to five year vision of the New Evangelicals. This is a very big retreat. We've been putting a lot of work into it to really get us on the same page. I'm excited. I'm nervous. Um, this is all new territory for us. So if you can keep us in your thoughts and send good vibes and prayers our way, that would be fantastic as we navigate what the organization looks like going forward. How do we make better and better content? How do we help people find better paths forward? in their faith, all of that good stuff. So um, last thing I will say, I'm not going to put an ad spot in this in, in this video, but I will just mention that we are doing our Many Hands Make Light Work giveaway. Any new donation of $5 a month or more or a one-time donation of $30 or more will get you entered to win some pretty cool prizes like co-hosting a podcast episode with me, our first ever TNE mystery box, merch, all kinds of stuff, and all, dono all donations go directly to making this work possible. We are completely funded by the generosity of others to do these, these live videos with, with world-class leading scholars and to do all kinds of stuff on Instagram and, and all that good stuff. So if you like the work that we're doing, if it's helped you and you would consider donating, that would be so helpful. Like I said, any new donation of $5 a month or more or any one-time donation of $30 or more gets you entered in the month of September to win some pretty cool giveaways. All right, friends. Without further ado, here is the episode from YouTube. I hope you enjoy. Let me know what you think. Hello, friends. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm just going to let you know right now, you got to buckle up for this one. This might be our most intense live uh, yet to date. We are responding to a Mark Driscoll, Charlie Kirk interview. I'm bringing in my friend. Here we go. Boom. Trip. Hello. Oh, yeah. How are you? Oh, I just want you to know I'm feeling so alive after having to watch this video in preparation for today, Tim. I, <laughs> as someone who hadn't seen Mark Driscoll uh, since he threatened to jump kick me in the throat, 
I want you to know, I will say his theology's changed significantly. It still sucks. And um, he remains oddly persuasive to people yes. uh, that, you know, don't check footnotes and are amazed <clears throat> that an angry guy is talking <laughs> to Charlie Kirk with his weird hairdo. Charlie Kirk's hair, normally on point. I know he's got plenty of money. But uh, whoever is in charge of his hair in this video is really bad. It was really fair. Fair. Um, I am prepared for this interview. I have my mug here. Hopefully my camera. There it is. My Pastor Mark blocked you mug, courtesy of the What If Project. Thank you for that. I I, I gotta say, Trip, I feel like I really woke up Leviathan with you, where you're texting me like, oh my gosh, I've read all these things he talks about. I contacted a few Augustine scholars. I did the research and I am livid. So I, I'm happy to see that I finally did it. Like I, I poked the bear enough with Trip Four to get him to be like, you know what? We're just gonna go through this piece by piece and we're gonna dismantle it. So before we do that, a couple quick yeah. things. Of course, our goal is never to dehumanize people. We are all about critiquing ideas, despite how problematic we think folks like Charlie and Mark Driscoll are. So that's always at the forefront of this conversation. The goal really, friends, is to unpack um, and I would say also demonstrate how people like Mark are really great communicators, but unfortunately they're communicating a lot of nonsense. And it's persuasive to people who don't know better, um, but when you bring on someone who actually knows the subject matter and the material, it turns out that people like Mark are not standing on much. And in fact, I don't know, I don't want to be too negative here, but it almost seems like Mark is either I'm just gonna say, I think he he knows what he's doing. I think he's just being disingenuous. I do want to say one thing, Trip. Can you tell people that you really actually used to be around Mark Driscoll back in the early emergent days and that Mark actually did indeed threaten you for real? That wasn't a joke what you said earlier. Oh, no, no, no. I wasn't joking. And I only got to interact with him a few times because I, as an elder millennial, yes. was at the, you know, later in the emerging church movement. Um, but, uh, you know, Acts 29, his yes. church planting network. So they were church planting... Uh, like a lot of churches that involved skinny jeans and uh, really ugly Calvinist theology with angry masculine vibe sermons. And uh, in, I worked for a Baptist uh, region. So there used to be a time before Baptists all hated each other so that even Southern Baptists kick out Rick Warren that – you would have in the same state convention because you funded, I don't know, orphanages, you know, things like this. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like that, that you were like, we aren't really worried about your atonement theory. And if you have a lesbian preacher or you only have straight white guys with right, all right, you know, like kind of all right sensibilities, like we take everybody because it's just like we're going to help the poor together and stuff. Well, I worked for one of these organizations. The head of our area was a female in a couple of our churches that were very wealthy and very reformed or like we want to plant a hipster reformed church with Acts 29. Yeah. We're going to send you to the Acts 29 boot camp. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like I met, I met Mark recently at one of these emergent thingies and you know, he's got some vibes. It's weird, but I got a lot of mutuals. I got a lot of mutuals and we didn't hit it off weird. So we go and you know, it's a little weird because there's probably only one ordained female in the room and it's my boss well um after the first three hours of angry calvinist theology and hipster guides 
Yeah. Uh, they divided up the event so that the pastor's wives, the future Acts 29 pastor's wives, yeah. uh, they kind of have that 25-year-old, if I succeed at 40, I'll be on like Housewives of Atlanta vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like a lot of like tanning salon mixed with like anthropology discount rack outfits, like that's what's going on. And then you got their like husbands that were like, nah, 20 pounds ago, these jeans fit. Okay. So they're all sitting there and stuff. And now the clergy or potential clergy are staying in the room. The ladies are leaving. Now I'm now sitting next to my boss in charge of 178 Baptist churches in the area, including someone that wants to plant with Acts 29. So they like literally, she's there representing individuals who don't want a woman to preach or anything, right? Talk about her graciousness and, and stuff. Now, right. Mark, uh, about five or six minutes into his theology rant, uh, pauses and notices that there's a vagina in the room and he's triggered, right? Like, he's like, how could I really deliver like hardcore biblical teaching to these future ministers? And he just decides to start going and like making a deal of it. And wow, I, at this really? point, yes. And I'm just like, hey, hey, Mark. And he's like, look, how do I know you? I was like, oh, you're a Trepio, Merchant, blah, blah, blah. Like, we met a few years ago at this. And and he, like, pauses. And he goes, and why are you talking to me about this? Do you not believe the Bible? You know? And I'm like, no, no, no. Neither one of us are down for what you're doing. Like, I'm literally a process theologian. She's obviously a female minister but right. as baptists we think the authority lies at the congregational level and some of our partner churches want to plan an actually nine church so we're here for that just like when we are at the non-violent baptist gathering and a lesbian wants a pastor a church like the authorities at the at the local level where you read scripture together blah 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 blah. his response is trip this is the kind of this is the kind of stuff we can't handle at Acts 29. Oh if I God. found out one of my church planners was tolerating this kind of ambiguity around completely obvious basic bi biblical principles, I'd get on a plane myself and jump kick you in the throat. <laughs> <Jeez> and, <laughs> and so, like, this happens. We go to, go to lunch, and I, like, text, like, Brian McLaren and Phyllis Tickle and Diana Butler Bass and Tony Jones. I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. What just happened? All of them are just like, yeah, not surprised. Like, yeah, we always kind of saw it. I mean, you know, we were trying to work on him, but, you know, you just can't hold back the gut. Like when a volcano's going to erupt, it's going to erupt. <sighs> okay. Okay. Wow. So so that that's the opening story. On my end, and then we're going to hop into this video because there's a lot to get into. I want to I want to tell all the people watching this, even post live, whenever I talk about Mark Driscoll on this channel, I always get the Mark Driscoll like sycophants who run in the comments and say crazy things. So here's here's a couple of things that I get from people. I did a video critiquing Mark a few months ago. I still get comments on it today. Trip, I figured I would show you some of the comments I get uh, about about people who love or from people who love trips. Uh, um, Mark. So here's here's one right here. Love Mark Driscoll. Maybe you need to man up. Weak men turn my stomach. Jesus spit out the lukewarm. Thanks, Liz. Here's another one. You couldn't be more wrong. You are the problem with the church today. You give no proof of anything, just your opinion. His sermons are loaded with the truth of God's word. Oh, we're just getting warmed up, Trip. Mark Driscoll <laughs> is a man of God teaching truth. I hope you get your facts straight and find God yourself. Pastor Mark preaches Bible. 
If it bothers you, maybe you should examine your life and beliefs. The word of God never fails. We got a couple more here. He's not liked because folks don't like being told the truth. He's spot on. Bring the fire, Mark. You couldn't be more wrong. You are the problem. I said this one already. One more time. One more. Here we go. Every time you say right wing this or right wing that, what seems to stand out is a little sign that appears over your head saying, this take brought to you by a left winger. So your entire spiel is completely discounted. So I have a lot of Mark Driscoll fans that that, that find this work. And, you know, we're going to go into this video because I hope that that, that they will honestly listen to what you're going to say, Tripot, what I'm going to say as we respond to Mark, because the reality is Mark Driscoll, even if his theology was quote-unquote good has no business being on the pulpit he is completely disqualified when you have 41 of your own elders who knew you at your first church plant that you completely imploded write letters saying hey mark you're really not qualified to lead again you have not taken any steps towards repentance that should tell you something but for many people you know that, that that doesn't really seem it doesn't really seem to matter. I will also want to mention too that Mark has reinvented himself several times. Uh, he was part of the oh, what yeah. do they call it the, the the New Calvinist movement or whatever they they called it back in the day. And now, no, but he it, was like literally in the early emerging church movement. He like here's the thing about Mark. He actually like read Derrida and Foucault, and like the those are postmodern philosopher names that most evangelicals totally. weren't allowed to read. He read them. And in my experience, like actually understood what they were talking about. And he's like, oh, here's a popular movement in evangelicalism. I can use my brain and stuff. And then the next thing he's like, no, I'm a Calvinist. I'm going to like butter up R.C. Sproul's biscuit. Right. And and then now, like in this video, like he says two things that this is my attempt because I know you all have your like sweet dehumanized swag. At the new yeah, no dehumanizing. You can't do that. No, no, no. Like, that's why I've actually wrote down two sentences that I fully endorse uh, that Mark Driscoll said. This is my commitment. Um, also, if you're down, like, if you're against dehumanizing, but also want like, are we allowed to curse on your live stream? You can definitely curse. Okay, if you want the bullshit revealed, then like, right now, aren't y'all having like a big? Uh, y'all, y'all are doing your like big like community gathering fundraising thing and one of them involves get like getting a getting a cool ass dehumanized mug look at that that's right wow trip you didn't even you. pay that's me true you didn't I even pay me for that as a nonprofit, and, uh, we do work off of donations we are doing a, a giving fundraiser that you can win some cool merch including our non-dehumanization merch um yeah trip, if you really love quick. humans and yeah. don't want them dehumanized yeah just say just saying there's a lure Okay, we got to get into this video because it's already nine o'clock and people are eager. Um, my thing is this: when you want to stop the video, do you have that your your little bullhorn thing? Oh yeah, I got. Yeah, I don't have it though. Coming through for some reason. Oh, That's you don't? Weird. No. Maybe 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 then then just yell at me and I'll make sure I stop the video whenever you want to pause. Okay, so you don't have it coming through. I heard it like like through your microphone, I think. Unless it's me. So, Friends, did, did, did you end up hearing that horn thing? Try it again, Trip. I don't, I hear nothing. You don't, you didn't hear. No, it's really faint. Maybe it's my headphones. You don't hear I mean, that. No, no, no. All right. And it's all good. Well, Let's get into it. I can see the comments. I can see them. I'll keep an eye on it. It's, Let's, it's super loud. It's super loud in my ears. When then, I hit that air horn. Then just make the noise or something. I don't know. Raise your hand. So, friends, we're going to get into this video now. This is Charlie Kirk, founder of Turning Point USA, interviewing Mark Driscoll. We'll start from the beginning. 
start, you know, if you have your bingo card, bring it out. If you're ready to start drinking, let's do it. Here we go. <sighs> Thoughts and prayers to all of us. Interview. And Mark Driscoll joins us. Pastor, Glad to be with you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Trinity Church and also the author of a very important book, New Days, Old Demons, one of the best most important Bible teachers in the country, in the world, oh, wow. actually. Mark Driscoll. Mark, in the world. Partner. Honored to be with you, my friend. It's good to see you. <laughs> yeah, do, you have a, do you want to stop there? <laughs> in the world. I, this dude surpasses saying, all of the greats. Just in the world. Yeah. That would be that would be like that would be like me sitting here and being like, Tim, I just want you to know I love the NBA. And when I think of like Mount Rushmore, I got like I mean I'm a Laker fan. So I got like Kareem. I got Kobe. Like I got Shaq. And then I got Luke Walton. He was a <laughs> role player. Like I don't even know under what circumstance you're like greatest biblical teacher. Oh my gosh. All right. Yeah, exactly. Following here in Phoenix and across the country. And I think you have such a, an amazing gift from the Lord to teach the word and to, t to honestly tell the truth in this era of lies. Well, I've been teaching the Bible for about 30 years, pretty much verse by verse, week by week. And, uh, and what I always say is the Bible is not a book that, that just tells us what happened, but what always happens. And we tend to think of it as an old book. It's not, it's an eternal book. And so it's always timely because it's over all the times. And so for me, if you can't connect what's going on in the culture with what's said in the scripture, people have no idea how to interpret everything that they're going through. So I'm going to ask you to repeat. You're, you're making faces, Trip. I mean, do you have something you want to say about that? About about uh, Mark's, you know, uh, claim that that the Bible is over all time and therefore timeless. Can we just say that Mark Driscoll has at least four different complete systematic theologies he's publicly embraced and demonized everyone that didn't agree with all four of them, and so like if if he just included himself when. The 40 some elders are like, you're just a horrible, despicable person and should not be in charge of a church. They wouldn't agree with one of my two sentences that I fully endorse that he says in this talk. Like, this is what this is what's kind of masterful. Like, he's one of the greatest Bible teachers, but he's only popular from when he taught things that completely disagree with everything he's about to say. <laughs> I. He right. like he used to make fun of people that were worried about demons because people that are worried about demons and spiritual battles and stuff are people that don't understand that God was sovereign and chose all of it before the foundations of the earth, like a good Calvinist. But right. later in this, he's just like, no, 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 we need free will to have real love, which hashtag I endorse just like Tom Ward does and right. and a lot of <laughs> other people he, I'm sure he hates. But like I just say that because like what what Charlie Kirk means. And this should be revelatory for anyone that takes Charlie Kirk seriously, like in relationship to Jesus, is that he, just like Judas, is looking to attach himself to anyone that will repeat his ideology. And if they don't, they will turn him over. This is what Charlie Kirk's doing. Like, like, like if he had everything the same theology and Charlie Kirk was like, but is it MAGA? then right. he wouldn't be on the show. Like the That's only right. hermeneutic Charlie Kirk has for whether you're a good Bible teacher isn't like, have you publicly changed your mind four times? Hope no one noticed because you're still a compelling preacher. Um, and isn't that weird? Like, like Charlie Kirk at the later is like, you know, one of my sound guys just converted yeah, uh, back yeah. in the day when you were at Acts 29, like doing all that stuff at Mars Hill. He didn't go like, you know, also during right. that time, there's a few things that this giant Mars Hill podcast that came out that 
I don't know. Maybe you aren't bearing the fruits of righteousness, love, joy, blah, blah, blah. No, yeah, yeah. none of that. Charlie Kirk is like, are you going to throw your hyper-masculine imagery in the name of Jesus at the wall and make snarky asides at the mental state of Joe Biden and Kamala right. Harris as a Jezebel and blah, blah, all this shit he does in this? It's nuts. Like, the idea that anyone would trust Charlie Kirk's discernment about reality is nuts. Like, like, look, I'm a deeply committed Christian socialist, and I still like Tim, and he's not. But all of you that hate him and love Mark Driscoll are like, he's trying to turn everyone into socialists. No, I'm trying to turn Tim into a Christian socialist, and he has like, arguments against me. And guess what? We're still friends. But still friends. like Charlie Kirk is just like, guess, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to find anyone that has a book that will join and then somehow randomly quote Bible verses. This supports my ideology. That is all I've gathered from Charlie Kirk. And yeah. then, like, at the end, he randomly asks these stupid questions where he's like, well, what do you think about Eschatology? Don't spoil it. We're, we're just starting. Oh, we're wait. just starting. I don't. Sorry. But, you paused it. Well, I, I was I, trying you, to hold it in. I'm sorry. You're right. This is my fault. Stuff. All right. I'm going back. I'm going back. Like Here five we go. minutes ago when we were off camera because it was perfect. So why'd you write oh, the I book? Can, could you imagine I was preaching through First and Second Kings, book in the Old Testament, and uh, realized that the same things that they were dealing with in the ancient nation of Israel about 3,000 years ago are exactly the same cultural, political exactly. issues we're dealing with today. <laughs> so it got yeah. me asking, if you Nuclear, see the same issues war. happening... AI. No, yeah. you can keep going. I'm just giving like nothing he says right now. I've watched this because you sent it to me. Nothing right here. You said what they were dealing with in first and second Kings, a book of the Bible. And I just want you to know the it's two books of the Bible if you're following the Protestant counting. But you know, whatever. All right, here we go. In different cultures and different nations and different governments with different people, what's the causation? And it's spiritual that people come and Praise go, the but the demons remain the same. And what we're dealing with is truly demonic. The progressive agenda, hey, wokeism. Okay, all right, I'm pausing. I'm pausing. Soft beta male. Okay, there you go. Okay, here's the thing. Um, I, I just want you to know, Tim. Go ahead, Trip. I. I had a three questions that came up in this that I texted 10 different, like teach at top 20 theological institutions. Yeah. I texted one of them and said, uh, all of them, but one of the three questions was, when thinking about the dynamics of history, divine action, the people of God, in scripture, what is the main variable at play in Israel's faithfulness or unfaithfulness? Mm. Do you want to guess in these 10? And this even includes two of my Southern Baptist friends. One, well, I guess I shouldn't tell which of the Southern Baptist schools they teach at. They might get in trouble. Fair. It's like it's like a Republican that believes in the Constitution. They're like, well, I do, but I don't want to tell anyone. Um you want to know how many of them said spiritual warfare? Zero. Mm. That's why is because it's in like a few books that like the apocalyptic books that you get worked up about spiritual battles going on. He, it, Daniel and Revelation are the only times he ever points to this stuff. And then you got like random verses and other things. But the idea like first and second Kings, there's literally no talk about demons running through the whole freaking thing. There's talk about other rival deities. This is a time which 
I mean, even my Southern Baptist friend that teaches Hebrew Bible is like, well, yeah, but Israel hadn't come to understand true Christianity yet. And I'm like, well, that's a little uh, supersessionist. But nonetheless, he's like, they were henotheists then, that there is a multiplicity of deities. But Yahweh, the Jewish God, is like rolling up top and you got to right, take right. down Baal. Right. And I'm just saying like, so underneath everything he just said is an assumption that is completely obvious that the uh, that the primary engine of history is like what demons are up to like <laughs> you are in the minority of christian history once you've done that now yeah. does mark driscoll worry about being in the minority of christian history no right. no he doesn't because not a lot of them have said no it's great to stay in charge of a giant church planning network when you're like obviously an abuser no one right. that, that that stayed there like like he's the only church leader i know that has said no like you might be gay if you watch yourself masturbate in the mirror like that like you're like, saying mark just actually said that oh yes yeah yeah, yeah. just yeah, google right. this junk R right um, but <laughs> or, or maybe uh, don't <laughs> okay i will just i agree i want to take that back i want to endorse tim's advice not to google is it gay if you masturbate in the mirror and not because masturbating in the mirror is a, a positive or negative thing i'm not trying to give a value judgment i'm just saying Right. Maybe because I've spent a little time reading Freud that when you ask certain questions, it's revelatory of right. desire. Right. But anyway, sorry. Okay. The, no, you're good. Here we go. Is all demonic and it's ancient paganism. And it's the same thing that happened in the days of Elijah. So let's go through Obviously. some of the characters, Ahab, Jezebel, Elijah, for the uninitiated audience. Who are these people and why does it matter? So 3000 years ago in the nation of Israel, they were supposed to be like us, a nation founded under God and they weren't. So Ahab was the king. He was passive, permissive, tolerant, progressive. Um, he was weak. And uh, he was not a man who liked to make decisions or have conflict, and he was fairly incoherent and incompetent. Sounds I know we like couldn't, most of the church. We couldn't. Well, we couldn't. <laughs> Sounds like most of the church. I just love like the, the what, what makes these folks so dangerous is that they're great at what they do. Like Charlie just said, little remark. Sounds like most of the church. And the average person is like, you're right. If oh, Mark's already proving himself right because he's saying Ahab is this person, Charlie just drops in. Sounds like most of the church and any person who's like a Charlie sycophant's like, you're right. A bunch of, you know, beta males in the church, just like Ahab. Yeah. yeah it, uh, okay. Crazy. The, un, the other part of this that's nuts is, and this is obviously true for Mark and for Charlie, is the assumption that Israel and America are similar. Now, <laughs> I just want you to know, as a biblical Christian, um... God called Abraham and Sarah for, to have a unique covenant. And I don't think it's fair if Paul won't even equate and replace the covenant with Israel with the covenant in Christ, right? Yeah. This is basic Romans. Uh, then why in the world would it make sense later to be like, no, nah, nah, you want to know? when you want to call the moral equivalency of the chosen nation, we're going to bring it out for America because right. Israel, you know, they came out of slavery into the promised land and America was founded by Europeans that were funded by colonialist economics into another land 
which they stole and conquered and then populated with uh, the labor of chattel slavery. I mean, I can say that there's a few differences between right. the two, but the the to me, like the first time you sent this to me and I'm like, do I have to watch this before? And you're like, maybe you should watch it. So I turn it on double speed. Yeah. And when it got to this, I kind of lost it because here's the thing. The I like if you're sitting as an American Christian and you think American Christians are the equivalent of Israel, you miss the point. Yeah. On almost every factor that's important in the way we relate to other countries, we are Egypt. Now, I'm not saying that we should all get drowned. I'm just saying there should be a giant hesitation before you somehow inscribe the challenge God gives to Israel to be faithful as a small country between raging empires. Like if you just read the Bible, it's like, oh, there's Egypt and there's Babylon, then there's Assyria. Like you're stuck there, like just geographically at a place. Yeah. As empires expand, they get conquered and back and forth. Yeah. The idea that that's somehow related to the technological advances of Europe getting put in a place along with like different immunity systems to then wipe out a continent and then they start stealing humans from another continent and become an economic and technological superpower. Like it, they don't, they don't sell weed that could get you high enough that those correlations make sense unless <laughs> you, when you come to the Bible, right. your Bible cover is red, white, and blue. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. And so I know that this is a big deal to y'all, but I just think here's here's the giveaway for everything else that's about to happen is that it makes perfect sense that uh, when Mark says Israel was supposed to be like us, a nation founded under God. Right. And I'm like, no, no, we added that under God thing to the pledge during the Cold War. Right. Because, you know, it was proto MAGA time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Imagine a senior political leader like that. His wife, uh, Jezebel, the queen, she was controlling, domineering, overbearing, very sexual and slept her way to the top. Yeah. I know. Like Kamala Harris. Well, you you, you said it and I didn't disagree with it. And so what you have, anytime you have. The the, the dehumanization is next level. And also, is there evidence of that? Like, I mean, Kamala Harris has plenty of critiques by her own party for how she has treated people and, you know, her, her stances on crime. But like. To uh, well, let me ask you this trip really quick. I know, I know, we're stopping so quickly. We 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 have to move on. But I is this promise true? That like the first fifteen minutes have more like, stops in it than the rest. Did did Jezebel? Who who is he talking about? Is that how it works? She slept her way to the top. Like is, is is even what he's saying about the story accurate? Okay, here's the thing. In scripture, there yeah. are characters that females that use their sexual agency in ways that don't fit the patriarchal norms. Yeah. Surprisingly, four of them are in Jesus's genealogy and Matthew, and they're the only females mentioned. Right. Okay, so I just say that to go, perhaps, perhaps, I don't know, um, that, that scripture was written in a time where there are different norms, and, uh, and oddly enough, Matthew decides to include people like Bathsheba 
if you just go through Jesus' genealogy, when all of a sudden the female shows up, they are ones that use sexual power and agency um, in such in different ways. Yeah. And 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 so Jezebel is this figure that uh, in Kings gets all of the energy from a conservative patriarchal power thrown at her where any problem that you see is connected mm. to that feminine sexual energy. And honestly, like it's way more intense when conservatives preach about it than is actually in the Bible. Mm. Uh, and by the, you know, we're about whatever, seven or eight minutes from Mark Driscoll, just losing his biscuits and yeah, somehow yeah. connecting it to drag queen story right. hour, <laughs> right. you know, but yeah, that, that's but, coming like, but I'll just say the thing he doesn't say right now um, that um, I, I mean, earlier today, just because I was testing my prejudice, I like looked at the word biblical commentary, which is like normal evangelical commentary. Yeah. Walter Brueggemann's commentary, which is like, I don't know, the most footnoted Hebrew Bible scholar, Terrence Fredheim, who's my fave, but it's in the Westminster commentary series. All of them are like, you know what Kings is primarily about? Two things. It's about apostasy. Because the problem that runs through Kings is that the people of God don't start worshiping other deities and it, they break the first commandment. And so the biggest problem with Jezebel is that she generates in the king a desire for idolatry and syncretism. Like mm. if the first commandments don't worship other deities and then you do... It's a problem that she might be hot is not the primary feature. You know, it's yeah, kind of like, right, let's right. say, let's say that a guy uh, drank too much at a frat party and raped a freshman girl. And then you were like, yeah, but did, what would, did she have spaghetti straps on? Right. You know, like, I, I just want you to know that like actual regular biblical scholars are like yeah yeah the sexual thing is there but what god's pissed about is worshiping other gods yeah uh breaking the first commandment idolatry syncretism all these kinds of things right and so many times and this is one of the things uh john dominic crossan uh pointed out to me um he'll be hanging out with us at theology beer camp uh is that when when people of privilege read the Bible, if they're really uncomfortable with God's critique of their power, they start talking about sex. Mm, and it's good. so it, it it's so true. And not because God doesn't care about sexual morals or integrity and covenantal relationships and all this kind of stuff, but it is an animating distraction from what created the problem. Yeah. You want to know a few things that are, I don't know, just a basic biblical Christian wouldn't know if they've read the Bible recently. And I mean, I don't want to like brag like Paul in his letters, but some of us, <laughs> some of us have read the Bible through like 10, 15 times and have all their notes. And some of us have recorded um, years of podcasts that exegete each passage of the Bible, you know, like, so I'll just say the the book of first and second Kings, which is apparently what Mark's new book is about that no publisher would publish and he self-published right um is uh first and second kings is what happens when david dies and solomon takes over yeah and then all of the 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 the, the israel splits the north and south yeah and then what goes on 
You want to know what the prophetic tradition found problematic about Solomon? If you just read First and Second Kings and the prophets that were alive at that time, they found the fact that Solomon thought it was a good idea to have forced labor and slavery hmm. to build his properties problematic. I mean, I don't know if Mark, when he was preaching through this, managed to get through the first 10 chapters to notice this, but there's this whole thing about, oh, Solomon's wise, Solomon's smart, Solomon's growing. Look at how amazing Israel is because it's rich. But then chapter 11 gets there. Like, you know, when he started worshiping these other deities, his wives are coming in, all this kind of stuff. Also, you know, he got around to slavery. And then there's these other factors that the prophets keep pointing out. Um, did you know where our riches come from, Tim? Well, the prophets do. It comes from making most citizens poor. Like <laughs> they, the prophets point out that that economic exploitation is how people get rich. Right. I I am not saying that they. Maybe it's because Adam Smith wasn't around yet, and so they hadn't read it. But nonetheless, in God's holy word, there's a correlation between income distribution in the justice of the society and it's just sitting there um and the other is like think of that big scene right before uh the story uh like as solomon's story's ending and then you see the split of the kingdoms and stuff in kings uh what was he doing he was trying to secure israel by what creating trade alliances with other nations selling military weapons yeah to other nations yeah. And he thought that economics and military superiority would create genuine security. Right. And once he created military and economic alliances with other nations, Solomon starts marrying their princess. Yeah. Now, you may be saying to yourself, whoa, but Trip, Mark said that what happens in the past happens today. And then you might be tempted to say this is one of Trip's sentences that are true. But you would have to ask yourself, you tell me if this makes sense or not, Tim. Is it possible, like if we're going to correlate America and Israel, which is obviously anti-Semitic and, and supersessionist, so we're not. But like if we're occupying the hermeneutical space yeah, yeah, yeah. of Charlie and Mark. Right. If, if perhaps you engage in relations to other nations to create economic and military superiority through yeah. cooperation and alliances. And that's now where you trust and not God. And then it leads to you worshiping their deities so much so that you engage in syncretism and idolatry and no law. And the prophets are like, why can't you just trust the Lord, your God? You might say something like hypothetically, this is just, I'm talking wild. What if there were a series of world wars and after the second one, you happened to be on a continent where the physical damage didn't happen and you became the center of the economic order of the 20th or whatever hypothetical century we're in. Right. right. Um, and maybe you use your leverage after establishing these to create the World Bank, the World Trade Organization, become the, the centerpiece of world finance through I know, let's just say a, a street. Let's call it wall. Right. And then 
um, through that, these multinational companies and uh, multinational companies and these in the military industrial complex actually become more powerful than the democratic institutions. And then you like use those powers to actually pervert the integrity of the governmental system. Uh, such that now, like citizens, like the working class and the upper, even the upper middle class, no longer feel like they have agency in the political system because it's all built around the growing economic power of a system that's different that has now disassociated itself with the actual citizens. And then you get to a point that a prophet shows up and says, "You know what? You know what you're trusting? You are trusting chariots, and you're trusting markets, and you're trusting." the power of other nations and things, and you're not trusting the Lord your God. Like that could lead to a situation over time that one of your prophets shows up and you can only, and says you could, you can only serve God or mammon. Right. You know what I mean? So I yeah, just say yeah. all this and, 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 and I hope people pick up the illusions, but the main point is like, if you just ask biblical scholars, what the hell's going on in first and second Kings, it's, it's Israel. <laughs> it's Israel's selling weapons has enslaved people to make itself wealthy, and that Solomon feels like he's a winner because he has right. all this money and is exploiting yes. the poor, it, it, and, he's, it, and he's trusting other countries. Essentially, it's what you're saying. Idolatry. Essentially, what you're saying is that if you were going to make the the terrible comparison of Israel to America, you're making the wrong damn comparison. Is what you're saying? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, at least do it the right way. And Mark and yeah. Charlie have not. Okay, let's keep it going. We have so much more to have get a to. passive leader and a controlling, domineering, overbearing partner. Uh, the point is this: if you tolerate, they will dominate. And oh, that's so, so good. And so the entire pride movement, <laughs> the entire trans agenda, the entire LGBTQIA alphabet soup people agenda Jesus. is tolerate. And Jesus talks about a thousand years later about Jezebel. Jezebel was not just an ancient queen, but a spirit. And he says, you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. She's a highly religious, highly seductive, highly spiritual leader. She teaches false doctrine and she leads people into sexual immorality. And so from Jezebel to the book of Revelation, the Lord Jesus, <laughs> there's okay, a Trump? thousand year gap because the demons are the same, even though the people change. So, so Mark's claim in this is that essentially Jezebel's a spirit now and the demons that were back then are the same demons that we're experiencing now. And his connection is that the demons we're talking about are ones that are part of the quote alphabet soup, the queer agenda, you know, essentially completely just, you know, Embracing the right-wing political ideology of 2023 and the far-right nationalism of Charlie Kirk and essentially giving the religious backbone for Charlie and people like Charlie to justify their war on, on other people groups is what he's actually doing, right? But yeah. you know, for Mark, he is he's smart in the sense of he knows how to reinvent himself. So like like you said earlier, Trip, you know, the Mark Driscoll of like 20 years ago would probably be would be wanting to drop kick this Mark Driscoll of 2023 for of his horrible crappy theology that is unbiblical because he doesn't know anything right so like this is what's so frustrating is that yes mark's a gifted communicator no one takes that away from him but he's used that in ways that i think are antichrist in nature in ways that, that that he centralized his own power and clout to then push things that are dehumanizing in the name of jesus causing a lot of harm to the people that jesus would be you know or commands us to love more than ourselves Right. That's what makes this whole thing so frustrating for me. Yeah. Yeah. And and here's a question, Tim. Go ahead. He says, if you tolerate, they will dominate. 
Now, <laughs> right. I know he thinks what we're tolerating is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and mask mandates. Right. But let's imagine that th- th- this might be true of his own team. Right. What happens if, let's say, one of the political parties was to tolerate uh, their dependence on individuals and communities that have no interest in the integrity of democracy and so much so that on the record they can't figure out how not to have someone who thought it was a good idea to set aside the Constitution as their primary candidate. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so, oh, completely. Like, you, and I think this is important because if you just say if they'll to- if you tolerate it, they'll dominate, is one of those observations that on, on certain moments in history is true, and other times it's not. Like other times, if you tolerate, it just goes away, like Pokemon Go. Like if I decided <laughs> to tell my kid Pokemon Go is stupid and stuff, he might have played it longer. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and so I just I just say that because if you if if a statement you make can be equally applicable to almost every tribe in your culture, perhaps it's not your your interpretation is not like the secret key to understanding God. Well, the other problem with, with, with this whole thing is that Mark is really telling on himself and on the people that he's working with, right? Because the reality is people like Charlie and, and all of that whole world, they don't believe in toleration. They do believe in domination, right? So for them, making room for other people groups to have their own access to constitutional rights or access to their own you know, freedom of worship is seen as an attack on their privilege, right? So the, the, mm-hmm. what's frustrating about this whole conversation or, or this part with Mark is that it's incredibly disingenuous because the reality is people like for example there have been a record amount of anti queer and trans legislations introduced nationwide over the past year or so there have been no pieces of legislation introduced by queer people trying to limit the rights of christians at their churches right so like it's really not this statement is not based in reality it's just mark's way of trying to play into the perceived threat that because their kids saw a queer character on bluey therefore that's the queer agenda trying to brainwash their children right so the fact that queer people might have representation in media and in the public is seen as a threat to their privilege but anyway let's keep let's keep going but bluey bluey's dogs tim so it's already normalizing (laughs) ass sniffing And so what we're dealing with today in the church is Ahab and Jezebel. In Christianity, most denominations are led by Ahab. The government is led by Ahab. The southern border is open because of Ahabianism. It's a passivity. Ahabianism, that's a new word. And anytime you tolerate, they dominate. If you tolerate like Ahab, then the Jezebel spirit comes in, dominates, takes over, controls, seduces, sexualizes. And in their days, that included child sacrifice, which was the precursor to government-sponsored abortion, to the Canaanite god Molech. It also included genital mutilation, transgenderism, and in the days of Ahab and Jezebel, they were dealing with drag queens overtaking. And so what you had then, the Jezebel spirit takes over the government, closes the churches, as we saw globally during COVID, took over the Christian schools, took over the economy, canceled, deplatformed, and killed anyone who disagreed. And this is an entire demonic agenda to replace God with government. That's what's going on in the days of Elijah. That's unbelievable. 
Like the fact that Mark can say that that, well, I, that I just clearly say that again. is that shocking. Was actually, yeah, it is unbelievable. It only it only is believable if you read First and Second Kings after like I don't know like just snorting like mainlining Newsmax. <laughs> Like only after that does it make sense. Like you just wonder, oh my God. like you just wonder, like what universe is this person in? Like, like okay, just to clarify, I'm sorry, I'm dying. Go ahead, go well, ahead. Okay, so child sacrifice. Go ahead, do your thing. Just to be clear, uh, no one, no one, God's a fan of, is supporting it. Now, you tell me which is more believable. Um, child sacrifice in Hebrew scriptures, which in numbers, the only time they talk about abortion in the Bible, actually like real abortion, uh, assumes that uh, a fetus gets the dignity of a human after the quickening, which is like when the mom fills its moving yeah which oddly enough is earlier than most evangelicals want to use because you they oddly here's a fascinating thing when it comes to abortion they love science they are like oh look at uh we've done these studies it could uh a fetus could feel pain at this point therefore it's now a human oh it it, uh, we it moves but the mother can't feel at this point so it's a human like which one I feel like the net gain on uh, would be great if just evangelicals are like, no, 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 if science is like, this is true, we, we should probably go for it. Might be like, good. But no, they only apply it when it comes to being able to have legislative power mm. over bodies, namely right. poor people of color and women. But the uh, like you're sitting there and 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 the idea that child sacrifice and the big example in kings is it one of the the kings in this kind of digression from solomon sacrifices her child and 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 molech is one of the deities in the whole idolatry thing that wants child sacrifice the idea that that is connected to government sanctioned uh abortion is quite a leap quite a leap now, does the text specifically say that the exploitative economic policies of Solomon and these degrading kings that lead to, like, the death of children from malnutrition and things that, that the, they're responsible for? Yes. Yes. And so I just, am, I, just want you, I just wanted to say that because I'm really looking forward to Charlie and Mark talking about how they're depressed that the Republican Party and Joe Manchin, who may or may not, well, I'm going to self-edit right now because we're on a good, live stream. But good idea. but it may have. I was going to give a very descriptive picture of him, like may or may not be responsible for the ending of the child tax credit, which has increased child poverty right. in the fastest way possible since we started keeping track of children in poverty. So right. Like just and and you know what child poverty does? It leads to children's death and parents' inability to be good parents and stuff. So like like when we think of child sacrifice, with those children are being sacrificed to the market. Yeah. And those demands. So I'm just 
obvious like personally like i think it would be great for us to uh minimize the number of abortions all sort but i just if we were thinking about child sacrifice and what king said i would think the economic issues that that like generate the kind of poverty and dependence that lead to the death of children would be essential so i'm looking forward to them endorsing the child tax well it's it's one of those things where you know um i say often like there are ways to reduce unnecessary abortions that's what i call them um and there are also ways to like create systems and 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 structures that actually take care of children after they're born instead of leaving them out you know essentially like like what you just said by ending child tax credits and stuff so you know i I found that issue always just a very like i mean shane claiborne says you know pro-life from like womb to tomb the idea of like you know giving people health care like making things accessible and making birth control accessible all those things are like really healthy ways to um minimize what i think most people want to see right which is people having more agency over their body and being able to control when they get pregnant or not but for people like mark it's just an easy like clobber and uh, clobber point to just try and connect whatever's happening in kings to this idea of you know like child sacrifice meaning that that's, that's what's happening today with abortion which is just very frustrating and disingenuous all right let's keep going i mean that was that's in remarkably deep I haven't really heard a lot of people connect those dots. Is it just because they they don't read the Old Testament, or is it it's just kind of not maybe because they're, to their they're shitty just and to that's connect? So clear, you, you just articulate. So I think oftentimes people just don't read the Bible. Um, they just don't. I've and they know, that you know, watching this video. Every pothead knows one verse. Uh, God made every seed-bearing plant, and the liberals know one verse: "Thou shalt not judge." That's about as far as they get. Now, if you dig deep into the Bible, you'll find, as Jordan Peterson has recently, no, it's the most Peterson. amazing, oh, no, fascinating, incredible book that's ever written. Because profundity is beyond. Well, yes. because when you read the Bible, it's the only book that, as you study it, it studies you. And don't you, you want to know it, what these the parts are with, that Mark said when they cut it out? Like there are three oh, or four always. times where it's yeah. clearly they cut. I would love and to know. That's where I, I just. That's where I think. Like he's like. As an aside, if you watch yourself masturbate in the mirror, you're gay. <laughs> to you to help you learn it, and so it's a supernatural experience when you actually take the word of God seriously. And so, <sighs> diving into this. So let's go. Let's go to the the the, the events that led to First Kings, right? So, nation of Israel delivered out of Egypt. Right. Yep. God delivers. They, they get into Canaan, you know, end of in the wilderness num- book of numbers. Moses gives his goodbye address in Deuteronomy. Yep. You know, Joshua generation enters into Canaan. Right. First new generation. Yep. All the old one died off. Then they enter into a place with no standing army, really no police force where the law was the center. And then at some point, I think either in Samuel or whatever, they say, God, give us a king. Right. We want a king like the other nations. So, so, so then I, I'm doing the best I can. So, yeah. Trip, are you okay? I, I, are you hanging? I mean, I know we have so much to get through. I, I know look, that. I'll just say that I'm not sure if it's this whole thing tonight. I, I don't know. Look, how hard is it if you if you're just sitting there giving your one a bit out of order outline of the Hebrew scriptures, and then are just like, I know they don't have the police yet. Yeah, like, right. I just like what are we talking you know, about here? Like Jesus. if he had just said this was before they had the Second Amendment, then <laughs> then it would be it might be like a more clear. But oh, I, I, I'm just sitting there and 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 I will say just because this is actually important, whether people know this or not. And actually, like I know Mark knows this because he used to say this, but you know, 
uh, when you reinvent yourself every five or seven years, like you, you might forget yeah. whether or not God wanted a king is actually a debate in the Bible. There's literally versions of the history where Israel's like, give us a king like everyone else. And God's like, you know, this is going to screw shit up, right? Right. Like, it, like there's a reason other people have kings and they're the problem. If right. you get one, you're going to have problems. And then right. hence, first and second kings is what happens, right? Right. Uh, and and first and second Samuel. But the uh, it, but also there's the response that like, oh, no, no, kings are great. God gave it. And so one of the live questions running through the Hebrew scriptures is that there's a version of the histories where the kings are more of an ally to what God wants and another where they're not. And and so like while the people wanted it what we thought about it varied and so if you take most hebrew bible classes you'll know there are multiple sources one of the sources is one that's like oh we're down for the we're down for the king so we're going to tell the history this way interpret the torah this way others are like them junks are the problem right and then you tell it that way and 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 so no, that means we have canonized different pictures about power, order, structure, and God's authority. It's yeah. just, I don't, I might be surprised in this viewing, but I don't remember them saying that, uh, you you know, like half the Hebrew scriptures were like, it's a real bad idea to have right. a state with police right. power in, right. a, in a top-down, anyway. Yeah. So then what happens here. is... Um, you get King Solomon and King Solomon is told by God, here's what you do and you don't do. Well, the dude does everything he's not supposed to do. He gets like, you know, I mean, he, 95 wives yeah, and yeah, concubines well, and like a thousand. I mean, he's, I mean, Hugh Hefner's like that dude's next yeah. level, you know? And so he starts worshiping foreign gods. He starts opening pagan temples and sacrifices, including child sacrifice. And so, um, and so ultimately what that leads to is five generations of this evil demonic family. And you see this slow decline in government. Every generation is a little worse. And this is the progressive lie. This is the powerful delusional myth of the progressive lie. And that is that we're good and getting better. I love, I totally agree with you. And the story of the Bible is we're bad and getting worse. And so what you see in first Kings six, I think it's important point to hit really quick. You know, Mark is like, okay, the progressive lies that we're good and getting better and the Bible story is that we're bad and getting worse. I think that that demonstrates the binary way of thinking that is so pro- is so not helpful because it doesn't appeal to nuance or or just history or the reality of the Bible, right? I mean, you can easily argue that with Jesus, things were getting better. You can argue that with, with the cross, things became amazing where God reconciled humanity back to himself. I mean, you can and you can make that in, 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 in a very simple evangelical context, right? So like you can make that case easily, but for Mark and for the way that people like Charlie Kirk operate, they're stuck, not stuck. They operate in a binary of whatever we're doing is good. Whatever they're doing is bad. And so if progressives think that, which by the way, I'm not aware of any progressives that that think things are good and getting better. I mean, we all saw what happened on January 6th. Like many of us are very concerned that Christian nationalism and the work of Charlie are actually making things a lot 
fucking worse, frankly. But th- those kinds of little quips for the average listener stick in their head as like, oh yeah, that's true. Even though it's completely, it's a very much uh, an unexamined thought, but it just it lodges its little you know root somewhere in the brain of like, right, progressives think this, and they're just delusional because the Bible, which is God's ultimate word and standard of object of of, of uh, objective truth, talks about how you know we're bad and getting worse. It's just so frustrating. Yeah. Also, Tim, I just wish this is one of those points where if I like if I got to interject once on the stream, I would have just like raised my hand and been like, you remember that time where Jesus told his disciples in the Gospel of John that you'll do greater things than me? <laughs> What's up with that? Right, right. Yeah. Like, and Or just like read Romans like Paul is like, oh, no, through the resurrection, there's like new creations begun. Right. Like there's so many things in in scripture that just falsify this. Right. And it doesn't falsify it by saying e the, the in this either or either things are just getting better or they're getting worse. Right. But the the idea that the progressive lies things are good and getting better uh most probably means he's not like doesn't actually have a progressive friend he talks to because Right. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. But also that the Bible says things are bad and getting worse is just stupid like <laughs> I, I i the what do you think the last thing god says in the bible is he should know he loves revelation behold i make all things new like right. it is a the the idea that in scripture like in this in this story like part of what solomon's problem was that they managed to forget was that he thought well to demonstrate how elect i am by god i'm just gonna I don't know, use debt slavery to make a bunch of people build shit for me to impress Sheba, uh, which is earlier in Kings, um, when she comes to visit uh, the queen you know, from Persia and stuff. And 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 like like God's like, that's horrible. Right. And and, you know, the, the, that's going on. And then you sit there and go, well, you know what? We've actually like managed to find it problematic to own people. Yeah. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist in place. It doesn't mean that capitalism is not creative in, in ways of finding wage slavery and all these kinds of things. But like the idea that there's been zero progress and it's gotten worse is weird. Right. right? Because right. you know what they're really concerned about in this conversation is making sure angry men that are worried about women having equal rights continue to vote right wing because women are like, no, no, no I don't want to vote for the patriarchy. Like, right. They, because they can That's vote. Right. But like yeah. voting's like really cool to be extended. Like, right. I don't, I, I just, I just wonder the, like, the only way these kind of things make sense is if your time scale of observation is that your tribe's in the minority for three or four years. And then right. you're like, yes, things are completely getting worse. <laughs> like I said this to progressive people and they were like, it's the end times because Donald Trump's in charge. And I'm like, no, he does suck. Right. Like, but like chisel me nizzle. Right. You know, like right. what, what, yeah, like short of ecological catastrophe or like a giant nuclear war or whatnot on, if you didn't know what human you were going to be born into, now's a better time to be born than the rest of history. Right. And right. that's just like true, which doesn't mean there's not injustice and things we should work on. Seriously, yeah, but right. I'm yeah. just saying the life expectancy in this time that they're they're like 
thinks wonderful. Jesus was elderly. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, totally. You know. It is what it is. It's just frustrating. ...is five generations, one to the next, to this corrupt political family. And the truth is, America has been largely dominated by a handful of corrupt political families Jesus. for generations. So annoying. And then what happens is it gets to the point where it is so dark, it is so despicable, that literally the government is against God. Because the conflict is always between God and government. God says, I have all authority, and government always. says we want to always remove strip. God and replace God. It is always And we want the to be the highest authority. We don't need Jesus to come back. We can set up heaven on earth through yes. policy and taxation. And then the government tries to, in the days of Elijah, as our day, take over education, take over uh, entertainment, take over the economy, Jesus. take over the church. And so then what happens, it gets so dark, so damnable, so despicable, and God's people are so squeezed and, and, and they're so hopeless that God sends Elijah. <laughs> Mark Driscoll is worth a lot of money, makes a lot of money. Charlie Kirk's organization raked in $55 million last year. White evangelicals died dominate in culture. They have billion dollar war chest politically. They almost overthrew our goddamn democracy in on January 6th with the help of like the new apostolic reformation. This stuff is when I get livid. This is when I get frustrated because it's so, there's so much bullshit here from Mark that if you just look at the actual data, I mean, white people in America, um, they earn some of the highest wages. It, it's just crazy to think that for Mark, he really thinks that, that, that his view of Christianity or what he thinks are, are true Christians are being squeezed in America. Like, you guys are trying to, like, Project 2025, which is, like, the one of the most powerful things that happen every election cycle by right-wing conservative groups since Reagan that had the year of presidents, it's put together by Christians, by, like, Christian conservative evangelical people. Like, they have the year of presidents. And for Mark, he's like, no, uh, I'm just, we're being squeezed over here. Like, I used to make seven figures. Yeah. Now I only make a high six-figure income off of my grifting. Like, it's really, it's crazy out here with how bad it is. That stuff, it just drives me batshit crazy. I don't know. I mean, the conflict is always between God and the government, Tim. And that's why when the schools didn't want to integrate in Little Rock, right. the, the government sent the National Guard in to make sure. Like, that's a, you know, you just got to yeah. wonder, like, yeah, or, right. or, oh, no, maybe they're thinking of Waco. Right. Or, like, yeah, exactly. what's going through your mind when you nod your head at, at those things? And, you know, exactly. I'm not... I'm not like a huge fan of the government, um, but for very different reasons. I, I feel like they've been uh, purchased by the most uh, popular world religion, economism, and are subservient to the greatest idol followers of Jesus have to threat, like have as a threat, uh, namely the market. But uh, like when you make sweeping statements like that, like, I'm just like, mm, yeah, I agree. What, what moment of history is running through your head? No, totally, totally. It's garbage. And the, and the guy's a mountain man. 
I mean, if you watch the television show alone, he would be the annual winner. He's just a lifestyle guy. I and, love how he, I mean, he wears his a camel's. He wears what he kills. He yeah. eats what he kills. Mass, he doesn't. John the Baptist was similar. There was yeah, some, he there was the some, spirit and power of yeah, Elijah. They thought he was Elijah. Right? Yeah, that's right. Elijah's the guy. Like if Rip got saved from Yellowstone and won alone, his name would be Elijah. He's that dude. And so what I love about it is usually when you think of Christianity, you think of like the that soft beta male gender confused skinny jeans yes. you know feathered hair with frosted tips but what happens then is That's you get so a guy the, like Elijah you and you're the like cut there? this what yeah. did he say before they yeah. did that yeah. edit <laughs> like he was on knows. a roll he was on he a roll. He was like that soft, gender confused, watches yeah. himself masturbate in the mirror because he's secretly gay. I, honestly, uh, probably who the heck purchases knows? thousands of copies of his books, unbeknownst to his uh, church, with their tithe money to put them on a national bestsellers list. Right, uh, right. Yeah. Calls women penis homes. You know, like this is. It's like. Well, you know, yeah, affirmation yeah. comes in different shapes. It's it's crazy, dude doesn't bring dude. a weapon he is a weapon he's a oh, man's man he's a dude of dudes oh, i love that he's an outlaw he's Charlie a cowboy like, yes, he doesn't Mark. fit the mold and he doesn't come out of the establishment he comes out of the out woods of the and yeah, that's I'm what so we really excited. need right now everybody who's coming out of bible college seminary everybody who's coming out of some sort of established political party is just a neutered compromised beta male and we need more elijah's Mark is telling on himself. He has a master's degree. The man is educated at the college level. Oh, the guy, the guy prayed over Carrie Job when she ran for governor in Arizona. Like she's part of the Republican establishment. This guy is a bullshitter. He is a snake oil salesman. It is so frustrating to watch. It's a bunch of cowardly eunuchs calling themselves pastors we're here with mark driscoll new days old demons check out his book I'm <laughs> it's a bunch of cowardly charlie take a hike dude learning Jesus, a lot my goodness thoroughly enjoying this mark we are talking are about charlie? pastors who have become like charismatic eunuchs well so ahab is the king in israel and he's passive tolerant he doesn't do conflict he doesn't make hard decisions yeah. And as a result, if you are like Ahab, then you're going to get Jezebel. Jezebel comes in, is domineering, overbearing, highly controlling, and very, very sexual. And what you see, wherever the Jezebel spirit is at work. So the we, two we primary keep going. deities we can't in their every 30 day, seconds. the false gods, were Baal, the male god, and uh, Astra, the female god. And so what you see is these two demonic spirits working through these two political leaders. And so at the end of the day, the way it works itself out is the Jezebel spirit castrates males, literally castrates males, emotionally, spiritually, but also physically. So Jezebel, all of the ancient artwork about her, highly pornographic, highly seductive. You're talking about gender bending and all kinds of sickness. Jeez. When they go to arrest her, a guy named Jehu in 2 Kings 9, it says that she painted her face so that she could try and seduce him. Her way is to sleep her way out of all of her problems. Mm -hmm. And that she was, quote, surrounded by her eunuchs. <laughs> so to literally, the job description to go work for Jezebel is you've got to cut your junk off. That's part of the rule. Same thing happened with Daniel. He was a eunuch in the kingdom of Babylon under the spirit of Babel. And so literally to worship the Jezebelian spirit and to serve it, you have to be a man Same. who's willing to undergo genital I'm mutilation. So I started looking at this and I found in the... Uh, there's the University of Chicago's got a, uh, an academic journal called The History of Religions. Okay, wait, Tripp, I, I'm going to ask you to be concise here, just for sake of time, and then we'll get into this next part. 
is I mean, was Daniel a eunuch? I don't I didn't know about that. And you were shaking your head a lot at like, you know, the whole Jezebel eunuch thing. Can you just like make one or two quick points like if that's actually what the text is talking about or not? Okay. Um so Daniel was celibate. And the notion of eunuch gets applied across cultures in different ways. If you choose to be celibate, sometimes that's a eunuch. Okay. Other times, eunuch is applied uh, to people who are castrated for a host of different ways. Sometimes because, I don't know, you're going to sing in the queen's choir. Sometimes because to avoid puberty so you can have high notes. Other times because Jesus said... Blessed are those who make themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God. A passage that I imagine Charlie and Mark would not take literally, which is the gateway to the slippery slope of relativism. But nonetheless, Jesus said that, and I don't think they read Jesus very often. But yeah. the 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 thing about um the thing about what he said that I find is like the interpretive leap is where he just says the Jezebel spirit. Yeah. Right. Like under, like I said at the beginning, like you, like to understand, like the kind of hermeneutical, like interpretive grid you have to get for this to make sense, is that despite scripture rarely thinking this is the case, that secretly there's like a giant spiritual war going on, um, that no one can see, and that's the real explanation for everything. Even right. though the prophets are like, no, no, it's your unfaithfulness. Right. But uh, Mark's like, no, 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 it's the Jezebel spirit. Right. Like, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, that like, once you include the Jezebel spirit shit where it's like transcends Jezebel the character, um, or like later when Jezebel's mentioned up, it's not like an archetype for a relational pattern. It's like, no, no, no. There's like some de demonic center. It's called the Jezebel. Right. And now it's my interpretive grid because somehow the Jezebel is connected to Kamala Harris's rise in California politics. And it's connected right. to the, the Ahab spirit because Joe Biden like is old. Right. Like, you that know, like, sense. yeah. And so like, like what he's doing there is to go, here's a few touchstones for the text. Here's my like framework that my ideology needs for my whole book to work. Right. Now, let me just assume those and give you some hot takes, Charlie, that I know you're going to dig. Right. Yeah. That makes and sense. don't worry if that doesn't work. Let me give you some drag queen story hour in a second, because I know <laughs> that's catnip for you and your peeps. Here we go. And they trace that everywhere there has been a dominant feminine female deity and spirituality God. in the history of the world, all religions, all cultures, all times and places, the men who are serving her have to castrate themselves and become transgender. And and then I, they started looking at it and they asked this interesting question. They're asking, if we're seeing all the men castrate themselves in every generation in different religions and places, but these people never intersected, how did it leap from one place to another? New days, old demons. People come and go, but the spirits remain the same. So then I jumped into it, and Augustine, the church father. Okay, do you, you want to just okay, quickly pause talk for about, a second? Yeah, 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 go ahead. Okay, this is here, important. I just, no, it, it really is. Um, he mentions the University of Chicago, one of the most prestigious uh, religion apartments in the world. And the history, uh, they have a journalist dedicated to the history of religion. So these are individual scholars who don't just specialize in their own religious tradition, whether they right. have one or not, but individuals that say, 
to understand spiritual and religious phenomena, we should actually, I don't know, understand how different human beings in different contexts, cultures, and situations articulate themselves. In this journal, which I searched it for all of the articles that talk about eunuchs or gender transgression, all the things I could come up with related to this. There were four or five that in some way talk about multiple religions. Uh, None of them say what Mark said in here because honestly i have no idea under what circumstance an actual religion scholar would say all religions in all situations where there's a feminine deity and all all he used the word all so much yeah and honestly we know he's good at ignoring all words because paul uses them and is a universalist so um you know but but so like the article in this it gets closest to what he says is called priests uh of the goddess gender transgression and ancient religion which i would just note that if you were talking about all religions it would not just be it's like this yeah ancient ones and 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 here's why this is important uh is a lot of times people kind of like learn how to use google and aren't yep. religion scholars and then you go read something a scholar wrote which is different than reading a sermon definitely and honestly like as someone that i i have a podcast but also like i have academic things like people are like oh you sound different then i'm like yeah yeah it's a different thing that if you're right. preaching or you're doing a podcast or like i i would not be drinking when i was giving a lecture that was in the context of this and i and i would have been like more worried but Here's the thing you notice in this text is this individual, uh, Will Roscoe, that wrote it, is interested in why in ancient religion, not all religion, right? Uh, ancient religions from the moment of the agricultural revolution tend to be patriarchal. And there's a lot of reasons for this that I'll edit myself from explaining. But let's just assume even in India, which is like the bed of Eastern religions, you know, where you get Hinduism and then Buddhism and all this stuff out of it. And then in Israel and all the religions that come out of monotheistic ones in the West. Yeah. Um, in both of them, there are these different, there are these different communities who uh, had self-emasculation. And this author here is learning these traditions in ancient texts going like, well, what's happening where you have these feminine goddess images and self-emasculation? Uh, now, one, this author is a Freudian, which I know uh, Mark and Kirk aren't, because honestly, masturbating the mirror guy could not be a Freudian, or you would just, like the like the amount of therapy you'd have to go to would be significant. Um, and if you know Freud, you're giggling really hard right now. But the second reason is... <laughs> Um, the, if you go to like, I'm not saying you suggest this, but I'm more than happy to send you the, the, the link where you can watch the, the whole article at the end, his whole point is self-emasculation, making yourself a eunuch, which isn't the only thing that's included in the word eunuch in ancient right. worlds, right. um, is a fantasy of escape. This is a direct quote from the sexual and cultural demands of patriarchal culture. Right now, you know what this means? is that Will Roscoe has noticed that 
across religious traditions after the agricultural revolution, which instantiates uh, the power privilege of male because of the shifts in culture after agriculture uh, to, to be more patriarchal centered, um, that there comes to be individuals who self-emasculate as a way of escaping what does he mean by sexual cultural demands namely that you have kids and perform toxic masculinity right like, and if you just look at the story sometimes the deities do this in a more polytheistic context sometimes monotheists are like we hate these other people that do this but the the, the article itself has nothing to do with drag queen story hour or transgenderism and all these things, it's actually looking at how the moment our cultures get in a technological relationship with nature, where we are stewarding nature through the imposition, right, in agriculture of our yeah. tools on the to, that now require that generate our food and all these kinds of things, there becomes a phallic centric culture. And how do you express yourself spiritually outside that if you maybe you aren't attracted to the other sex or maybe um you don't want to perform the the masculine roles all these kinds of things this individual is pointing it out as this is a transgressive act that's actually kind of genius right and this is what it looks like to be in a culture where patriarchy is normative and to have other outlets right um and you know the next step in this would be to say well what happens if we have a culture where you permit people that are deeply masculine to have a healthy expression of masculine of center expression, whether regardless of their biological gender right. and to have healthy expressions, regardless of gender um, of, of feminine center right. or people that don't fit in, in the binary. Yeah. Like the, but the whole thing is the way humans evolved in different places generated a phallic centric culture and every religion has a way that resists it right. in different ways. And then <laughs> right. they all have traditions within it that go, this is bad and others that go, this is good. Right. None of it says, therefore drag queen story hour is a Jezebel spirit. And right. honestly, since the beginning of the foundations of the world, when the angels got pissed at Yahweh, right. uh, they've been running around just waiting to like cut some nuts off and put some black, like blush right. on some dudes. Like, right. It, and this is the article he's basing it on. He doesn't even understand what the thesis is. He doesn't understand what is being proved. And he doesn't even understand the scale of observation. Right. Why are you trusting this guy to tell you that the secrets of all the world is his weird ass picture of spiritual warfare right. and it all fits in? Right. And that's when you just say to yourself, if you read that article and you had publicly told people if you masturbated in a mirror, you might be gay. <laughs> Are you like you're gonna take the guy serious? I just want to know how many times you're gonna reference that masturbating well, in a mirror. Well, someone might on be gay. someone texted me and said they giggled every time I mentioned it and were drinking. <laughs> so now, <laughs> oh, Mark Andrew. All right, here we go. Yeah, great, great point. I it's okay. He's that. he's already he's already if he's watching, he's already thought. I would have jump kicked you in the throat nine times so far. Uh, he's probably raging. But we haven't got to the two times. I agree with him. Well, we're, we're getting there. And here, this this next part's important, too. This is the Augustine part. Here, here we oh, go. Others said that in his day, the greatest threat to this the spread of Augustine. Christianity in the early Roman Empire um, were the Cybelian priests who were male drag queens 
who castrated themselves, painted their faces, wore women's clothes, went out in public. He said their, their necks were so limp they could barely keep their head up, and they did story hours for children in the fourth century. So everything you're seeing on the progressive left is nothing but regressive paganism. And everything wow. you're seeing with, the, with the, the gender spectrum is literally demonic because God made us male and female. And then Satan wants us to be remade as something other than male and female. And so I'm just telling you what, what they dealt with in the days of Daniel, the castration of healthy young men, yes. uh, the castration of men in the days of Jezebel, continued through the early church in the days of Augustine, continues to our day. This is demonic and it is satanic. And what you get in denominations, not to interrupt you, you get these Ahab passive, weak, woke, cowardly pastors that will tell you what they're for, but not what they're against. And they're not oh, up God. for the fight. Why don't we Tim. get into the Augustine thing? Okay. I just want to say one thing real quick. Okay. The idea, the idea that, the idea that he's really worked up about this random passage in the city of God, which is like an 800 page book. Um, and somehow it applies to drag queen story hour is, is wild. Yeah. Um, I typed out his stupid paragraph here and sent it to four people, two of whom are on the council for the American Academy of religion of the group that studies freaking Augustine. Right. And the others, which then sent me the actual passages in Augustine he's referring to, all of which which proceed to say, this is why accredited theological education is important. <laughs> like well, they were just right, like, right, like right. you miss a complete point. Um, and and so, like, um, so a number of them made this point, and I just. Jesus said, blessed are those that made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God. It's in the gospel of Matthew. Right. Right. Okay. So obviously someone made themselves a eunuch. That means God didn't make themselves a eunuch and they weren't born that way. Right. Though uh, the early church prior uh, to the fourth century and such had almost no problems with eunuchs. Um, you know why? Because they believed in one good God that made the world, Tim. Wild idea. And here's the thing, like if you think there's one good God that made the world, you might say to yourself, uh, well, whatever God made must be good if a good God made it. Right. That doesn't mean it doesn't have problems, doesn't mean it's not impacted by sin and all these kinds of things, but like the createdness element right, is like anything that exists comes from God, so it has to be good. You say, Trip, does this sound like your crazy leftist ideas? No, this is literally Augustine. I, this is the fun part, is that Augustine thought evil doesn't even exist. And I disagree with him on this, but like Augustine and most early church fathers thought evil doesn't even exist. Evil is just a privation of good. Because God can't make anything that's not good. There's literally nothing that exists that God didn't make. So then you say to yourself, um, you might ask yourself, well, what about these monsters that don't even have a, what if they have a penis and a vagina, Augustine? Right. What if, what if they cut their penis off? Like right. you start asking these questions and I, one, 
I'm not sure if I got to hang out with Augustine, how long I'd talk to him before I got to ask that question. I have some much more interesting ones about the way he read Plotinus. But nonetheless, if you did, um, in The City of God, uh, one of his most important works, like I think it's one of his most compelling works because this is what's happening as Rome gets sacked. Like mm. this is, you know, early uh, and, and after Rome had become uh uh, a, a Christian empire, like what do you do when we thought, oh, we were the outcasts, we were this f- minority religion, now we're the dominant religion, and now right. we're getting destroyed? How do you explain this in history and stuff? And that's what he's explaining. So the the passage Mark's referring to very poorly, taken out of context, yeah. is that there is a particular goddess cult in Rome that all the other Roman religions thought was stupid. <laughs> okay okay and this isn't wild like just go you could go look at it and augustine's like you if you all who love jupiter and mars and stuff recognize that this goddess cult where they do all these other things and he in here like you take the passages that he's describing as like drag queen story hour yeah um He's like, if y'all recognize that, the contrast he's drawing is that you think this is stupid, but you're making more sense because there's like a more powerful deity among them all. Uh, How much more sense does it make that culture should be driven where there's one good God that sourced it all? Hmm. Right. So the contrast is this shift from a multiplicity of deities and value systems right. and confusions to less confused because you got a few major gods and stuff. Right. And then but but it ends like like his whole point is that monotheism makes more sense of history. And that's why it's an important question. Like if there's one good God and history is going wild and crazy, then you have to ask a better question about history. Not like mm. this guy did this and this one did this and they're having a fight right. and pissed about this. Right. But then when he gets to like human diversity in the very same book, I mean, you basically got to go about 190 <coughs> pages, which might be a lot for Mark. But mm. uh, if you've read Augustine later, he sits there and describes things thusly. That feels more official if I say thusly. I, says, I agree. He says, um, uh, what do you think about a kid that's born with nine fingers? Tim, like, do you think what a monstrosity? They aren't even a real human. They don't deserve the bearing of the image of God. Like, right. what if what if they're born and they don't have lips to talk well? Do you say to yourself, this isn't even a human? What's up with this? Hmm. And he says, and this, again, is a, an argument coming from a Christian who's obsessed with with the way slavery is played out with non-Christians, he's like, you go to other countries and you take these individuals and you pretend like they're property and not human beings as opposed to like different parts of the... He's going through this whole list of the way their culture in its problemness fails to realize that every human bears the image of God and every creature reveals the goodness of the creator. Yeah. And then he gets to this point where he loses his biscuits about people born with both pieces. Right. Vagina, penis. And just says, look, I'm not saying it's normal in the sense that most people usually have one or the other. Right. Which is just kind of accurate. Right. He's like, but the idea that if you had both, 
that somehow you don't bear the image of God? He's like, that's not an offense to the person. Yeah, they're going to be mad. Like, yo, you don't bear the image of God. But the real one you should be worried about pissing off is God. Mm. Because you want to know who's the creator of everything? God. And so anytime you see diversity, even if it's like a little bit different, you're seeing something God made, and it is above your pay grade, you filthy sinner Roman who doesn't understand the goodness of Christianity, to say that there's a creature that doesn't walk in the world bearing the goodness of God that God gave them, and they can't even escape. Yes, there's grace upon grace when you encounter the gospel and blah, 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 blah. He goes on this beautiful thing. But he goes like, you just got to understand, all the diversity of existence is the diversity of a God who picked it. And if you don't agree with that, then you don't even understand how sovereign God is. The sovereign God <laughs> loves diversity. You may right. not understand it. Sometimes it's nine fingers. Sometimes you got a limp mouth and you can't pronounce your consonants. And sometimes you got a vagina and a dick. And sometimes you don't understand who you are in the body you're born in. But it doesn't change whether the fact you're made and known and loved by the God of right. all creation. And that is like literally the argument of the book. Now, um, me... My friends that run the Augustine Research Group at the American Academy of Religion, so maybe we're nuts. Maybe what Augustine really meant is that no, there are individuals that do not bear the image of God. And right. then maybe sin has corrupted them so much that blah, blah, you know, go in this whole right. thing. Yeah, totally. But I just want you to know, like, uh, like, just like he did with that stupid article that he misreads about like the way patriarchies protested in a patriarchal phallic centric right. context across cultures right uh it, 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 through through enactments the same thing is happening here right is that he reads through augustine's criticisms of different parts of roman culture right and then says what does he say like this is the worst what was his stupid line it was like something like the, the oh the greatest threat to the spread of Christianity in his time was his line, right, right. Okay, right. I just want you to know, Augustine, oh and he should know about the sovereignty of God before he changed his mind on this, because yeah, you know right. in a previous version of Mark Driscoll he loved yeah. providence and sovereignty, but like there's no competition for God. But it, the single greatest threat to the spread of Christianity in his time. We're drag queen priests. And if you just heard what I said, which, I mean, I've read the City of God multiple times. I've taught it. So, like, I love City of God. Right. Uh, I find it a timely text in our present moment. But the idea that somehow that text leads to the greatest threat to the spread of Christianity are male drag queen eunuchs doing story hour for kids. Right means that you don't care what Augustine thought. Right. Augustine is the most important Christian theologian, regretfully for me, um, <laughs> after the New Testament, after Paul. Right. And and I have a love-hate relationship with him, which means I have to read him and wrestle with him. He doesn't even give Augustine, who he's harnessing his authority, the dignity to be different than him. He right. imposes him on the privileged right-wing Christian nationalist culture that, it, that that seeks to I like celebrate their identity by oppressing people different than and then sweeping any of the vagueness 
and bullshit interpretations they do under the rug because they know the only person they're trying to convince isn't Augustine, it isn't Jesus, it's people already agree with them. So they want them to not think and then be an asshole to their trans neighbor and be like, Augustine agrees with me. Well, let me tell you, Augustine would say, I might not find it, it doesn't make sense to me, I don't understand this, I might be uncomfortable with it, but since there's only one good God that made all things, Every person you meet and look in the eye bears the image of God, and everything that comes with their created identity is something you have to take an account with. Yeah. That's a basic thing. Yeah. Augustine did the same thing when people yeah. were like, oh, your baptism doesn't matter if your priest, it doesn't even count if your priest turned the Bible over to Rome, but you know, before Christianity became the dominant religion. He said, no, it doesn't matter baptisms work because God raised Jesus from the dead, bitch. Right. That was his response. He was just like, you're missing the point. The human being in our frailty and brokenness is not the big deal. God raised Jesus from the dead. You're baptized into that. The good news works and you're a filthy sinner. Congratulations. So is everybody, (laughs) but you're loved and participate in the divine life. Augustine regularly has stupid ideas that make no sense with our biological moment. Like his differentiation between the, like, the sexes, the way copulation works for sin. All those things right, are stupid. Right, but right. Every, throughout all of his big things, he he recognized uh, that nothing that exists comes from anything but the God he that was revealed in Christ. Right. And so you can't say something about your enemy that the God who made them in their own image won't. Right. That is radical. Yeah. It has nothing to do with stupid drag queen story hours it's obviously would be like you're just like homophobe that's your problem mark right maybe maybe you should turn the light off and not look in the mirror (laughs) and it is the masculine role to say no that's elijah elijah's the man of man's dude of dudes he I hunts, got you all fishes, fired up over loves this one. every minute of it and yeah. lives in the woods. It's a little more Esau than Jacob. And he shows up and he just rebukes them. He calls down fire from heaven. And then he slaughters over 400 of their false prophets. Imagine a pastor today that had the stones to pick a fight and then slaughter 400 denominational leaders, slit their throats as a public event. That's Elijah. Yeah, imagine that, Tim. Stay peaceful. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Mark just literally, you know, bragged about or made the connection that a, a man's man is someone who will slit the f- throat of 400 denominational pastors because they're weak. I mean, again, this is like this is such a this is the epitome of what people call toxic masculinity. Like you're looking at it right here, right in the face. This whole this whole thing he went on. It's disingenuous. It's ignorant. It's not based in reality. He's he's completely appropriating the authors that he claims he knows, like you just demonstrated in that beautiful 10-minute monologue a minute ago. And then he ties it all up with a call for violence. And Charlie Kirk, knowing his audience and knowing who listens to him, has to make the comment of stay peaceful because he knows that what Mark just said was so incredibly violent. I mean, Mark didn't say spiritual battle. He said slit the throats of 400 denominational leaders. That's that's how far that is the fruit of of this right wing xenophobic, homophobic, misogynistic like worldview that then co-ops the Bible and Christian tradition to justify their claims, essentially making it a holy war, which is why so many of us are terrified about Christian nationalism and its future. Let's keep going. Uh, the book is New Days, Old Demons. So, Mark, what I want to get into in the next segment of time right now is the theology of the demonic. 
Thanks so much. Because there's a lot of hearsay, rumor at times, and bad theology that gets around. Oh, Satanic, demonic, and That's I'm going to ask some specific questions. Sure. But I want to just, in about 45 seconds we have remaining, what motivates your typical woke pastor? I'm talking about the skinny jean oh type, God. the people that never actually teach the word. You know, we mentioned it's some of the names. What, empty rhetoric. What, about, what, what, what drives about them into the ministry? Thinning-haired podcasters making commentary on this video. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, didn't you, okay, did you giggle when Charlie Kirk, after like, peaceful, um, that's like, he was, he is so... He is so swallowed the like Trump goodness that he knew like after making real threats, you have to throw in the word peaceful. No, like absolutely. Charlie Kirk's Charlie Kirk's learned that. And he's like, we're going to walk to the, you know, like think of his January 6th no, thing. Completely. Where, yeah. yeah. Let's let, let's hear about Mark's, uh, you know, pastor problem. Some are cowards and they took the job because it's indoor, doesn't require any heavy this lifting. This is high quality uh, rhetoric. Some well, don't forget, Mark's a pastor. So I'm just wondering, like, 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 if any of this applies to Mark. Like, I'm wondering if Mark is telling on himself with his accusations that these pastors don't want to do any heavy lifting. The guy writes books that he has to self-publish right now for a living I, the, and goes I'll on talk say, shows to dispute bullshit, you know? Tim, as someone that is friends regretfully this individual is someone that ghost wrote two of his books i'll just say that that he wrote his books is uh interesting okay guys were over mothered and under fathered and so they you know they they feel at home in the church like they did in their mom's house um some guys they have church hurt and they're bitter and they're deconstructionist and they need to just get over their hurt and grow up hi mark grown man uh, for some of <laughs> them, me. they're just poorly read, and they've spent more money on their wardrobe than they have their library. It's just, As we it's, say often, too many churches have become <laughs> TED Talks with a rock concert, skinny jeans, and look at my new shoes. It's what passes American Christianity. But check out the coffee bar, everybody, but I'm not going to tell you about sin. Check out Trinity Church, though. You will hear about sin, but most importantly, redemption. I just have to read this description. Really quick, just a little jab from, or a little comment from me. I mean, Charlie goes to churches that are exactly those things. He does work at Dream City Church or 25,000 strong with their coffee bar, and they preach a very much uh, what, what many would consider a, quote, watered-down gospel. Again, I, I just want to demonstrate to the audience, if you're listening, I'm sure you see this by now, but what these two men are talking about is nothing but hot air, but because they're good communicators, it sticks for people and it scores points for their base. But make no mistake, there's no substance underneath any of this. Like it is literally just what we call rhetoric. It is literally what we call propaganda. It's not well thought out, meaning it's not well researched. It's not actually taking these things seriously. There's a, there's an agenda here. And the agenda is not right to understand the complexity and nuance of the world and like, how do we navigate this? And how do we become better followers of Jesus in our, in our, you know, as we advocate for liberating the oppressed and clothing the naked? No, the point for Charlie is how do I continue to demonstrate and push far right nationalist policy, uh, policies and politics in America that will give me and my people more power and more privilege at the expense of the other people who live in this country. So like we have to understand yeah. that's what's going on here. Um, it's not about taking this stuff seriously or really trying to understand the complexity of the world or people like Augustine. That's an important note for me. Well, and, and, and the same thing's true for mark like he's changed his mind completely on his theological center four times usually to whatever community he thinks he's getting the biggest platform enhancement and monetary investment 
right. in what he's doing, right? Yes. And like sometimes he breaks rank with them because he has a bigger offer, and sometimes he breaks ranks with like let's say the reform tradition when they were like, no, 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 maybe you shouldn't be like a abusive pastor. Well, the the thing that's interesting about Mark that I, I want to point out because we uh, people change their mind all the time. I've changed my mind on things, right? But for Mark, no, no, the it's, posture- sometimes it's a sign of maturity. Right, but but the posture of Mark is that he's just as confident now as he was 20 years ago about a whole different worldview that he would have critiqued 20 years ago, right? So like he hasn't demonstrated in my mind any intellectual humility. He still thinks that he's the victim of of, of his elder team kicking him out for being an abusive narcissistic pa- uh, pastor. He, th- he just tweeted today that, that uh, something to the effect of I was canceled and I survived that wasn't that bad. The idea of like, oh, what happened to me, aka being held accountable was, was me being canceled. So Mark is actually projecting what I would argue to use his own language beta male uh, or be, you know beta male instincts in masculinity where he can't take responsibility for his own actions he can't own his own shit he can't admit that he was really wrong on something he can't admit that maybe because of the harm he caused he's disqualified from leading he has to just instead throw the darts at everyone else to deflect from his own deficiencies so his own masculinity that he claims is this alpha male macho masculinity is actually masquerading as cowardness because he can't take accountability for himself slash repent which is one-on-one to the Christian tradition. The book is New Days, Old Demons. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, the other side of that is that he doesn't give himself permission to repent. Right? Like, uh, if, if you, like, one of the gifts of a God of grace is you have permission to have been wrong and to right. be wrong in the future. Not because you don't seek the truth, not because you don't desire love and justice, just that, Every finite person has their limitations. Right. Um, exactly. And if like there, I have over 1600 episodes of me talking on the internet. I had wrong answers that I'm embarrassed about in plenty of them. Yeah. And I've yeah. changed my mind. Um, right. Like one of the things I'm excited about, right. When at, at theology beer camp, Roberto Espinosa uh, w- uh, will be there. And if you like our friendship came from like, I had been a longtime advocate of 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 like queer inclusion and had not had a very close friend that was trans and through that friendship it changed the way i had framed that conversation and i regret very specific things i said in early episodes you know 15 12 years ago right and was i being honest then was i using the rhetoric of born this way x y and z to advocate for the inclusion of a a whole host of friends um like i didn't do legal weddings until it was legal to marry my gay friends right um and things like that but my logic of argument didn't recognize fully the humanity of my trans friends right and i didn't understand that till a very dear person like someone that became a very close friend that was trans helped me understand it yeah, and I sense. repented of that, and I'm comfortable being in a new place. Right. I, and I hope that my kids and my grandkids look at me and be like, oh, granddad was a bit backwards about X, Y, and Z. Right, right. And when right. they point it out, I hope I repent. And so that's why that's like there's a different modality of change. And I'm sure there are things I'm like indignant about that I should change on. So like I'm not trying to like make myself a saint. I'm just trying to right, say that, right. that the, you can be wrong – and still grounded in grace and yeah. you can be right and still be an asshole yeah 
I agree. Mark Driscoll, who's a legend. Study of Elijah, sex, gender, ancient paganism masquerading as progressive legend. Christianity, victims of nothing, <laughs> woke politics, the transgender Jezebel spirit that castrates men, and the passive Ahab soft woke Christian beta male spirit leading the conga line. What is this, to Sheol? To Sheol, yeah, that's the grave. Thank you. Uh, carrying a rainbow flag. Again, Mark, you got to get to the point, okay? Enough of this vanilla watering down stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, if you're going to go, you a hard time. go big, and if you're going to get canceled, you know, make it fun. Yeah, so let, let me ask you some questions I have, I know our audience has, just about some confusion. And I, I've had an opportunity to speak at over 120 churches across the country, and there's a lot of agreement on the demonic and Satan, frankly. but I hear different things. And when I ask questions, I'm actually told different things. What does the Bible tell us about Satan? Is it true that Satan and or Lucifer rebelled as an angel of God? Is that is that a inference? Is that a folktale? Is that tradition? Let's just start with that. Who is Satan and how much power does he have? Yeah. And if you go to realfaith.com, all my Bible teaching is free. You get what you pay for, lower your expectations, but it's all there. And I agree with that statement. I wrote with my I wife with in a series one. I did called Win Your War, and it's one. all on Satan and the demonic, and it's all free. But anyways, there's one God, Father, Son, and Holy it's Spirit. It's about to get worse. And then there are two realms that form one reality. There is the unseen realm of the Spirit, and then there's the physical realm uh, that we inhabit. And what's interesting is the entire progressive woke world downplays or denies the spiritual altogether. So like the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders on how to help people who are struggling, mentions the soul zero times. There wow. is no acknowledgement. I guess the DSM is woke. <laughs> like, we are one person in two parts. We have a physical body and God. a spiritual soul. Our physical body was built for this world. Our soul was built to connect with God in that world. And so in that way, what we experience as human it's beings crazy. correlates with the reality that God made. So there's one God. And as there are beings that inhabit our physical world, men and women, there are beings that inhabit the spiritual world, angels and demons all started as angels. Angels are messengers and yeah, ministers that, the and word servants of God. angel is messenger. Yeah, and exactly. in Hebrew, it literally means exactly. messenger. Messenger yeah. and minister. Yeah. Now it also says in Revelation that the physical beings in the Bible, just to clarify, um, like, like Charlie's correct here. Like, oh, angels, you mean messenger? And you're like, yeah, yeah. Oddly enough, it gets applied to actual humans because it discusses <laughs> them having children in other contexts. But, mm was a war in heaven, Revelation 12, Yeah, that Satan decided that he would try and overthrow, usurp. usurp God. And so everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. Everything that God builds, Satan breaks. Everything that God has, Satan tries to steal. And so what happens is there's a war in heaven. It says that Michael and the angels won the war, Revelation 12. Satan and the <laughs> demons were cast down. Jesus said it was a third of the heavenly host. So a third of the angels now became dark. They're still divine beings. They're still supernatural. They're, they're under God. They're not equal to God. They don't share his attributes. They immediately take the war to Adam and Eve. And they're trying to rule on earth because they lost their war in heaven. They won their war on earth. And then they took over humanity. So now the Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. That's Paul. Yeah. Yeah. And that he Jesus rules and prince, reigns. Prince of this world. Yeah. And so Satan can't be everywhere and doesn't know all things. He doesn't share God's attributes. It. But it's like a military with a commander in chief. And the Bible uses military language like archangels, which mm -hmm. is a military term, to refer to <sighs> the demonic realm like soldiers. And then Paul says our war is not against 
flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, and spirits. So what we're up against is not just a physical war, but there's a war behind that war that's a spiritual war. That's super helpful. The best, honestly. Yeah, really helpful. Summary. Like, if you hear that and they're like, that's reasonable, you should just be like, don't trust the guy talking. Like, you, Tim. Go ahead. In the in the Protestant Bible, there are 66 books. Yeah. Um, How many verses do you think uh, involve descriptions of giant cosmic spiritual warfares outside of the book of Revelation and Daniel? Oof. Uh, I mean, maybe when, I don't know. I, I think about when uh, Paul says our you know, battle is, isn't about flesh and blood. That's about it. But I'm not even sure that if that's even referring to this cosmic battle that's happening, you know, in well, this yeah, that's, world. That's, that's the whole point is that outside of the few apocalyptic texts in the Bible, most people don't know this is what's really going on. Right. And so, yeah, uh, it, it's like 60 some, but like the reason I say that is just that if you jump and you're just like, oh, Romans 12, uh, in the divine realm, blah, 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 blah. And you just, then now you're using that. And, the, and, and the notion that this connects to how to read political history is right. like Daniel seven to nine and stuff like that. Uh, which in apocalyptic texts, those that's literature of the oppressed and how they do resistance literature as a conquered or threatened or you know, like overdetermined by another country's politics where you'll get in trouble by saying it straight. Right. Like literature. And so like if you take that seriously or literally and then go you know, Romans, uh, Revelation 12, that's like my secret key for understanding, I don't know, the freaking Gospels or Kings yeah. or whatever. Like you're like, well, does, does Kings or Jesus to say that everything that's going on is this like secret o orchestrated cosmic war, blah, 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 blah. No. Right, right. Um, And it also means that like when there are evil spirits or whatever that you see show up in stories that you then go – Oh, that is part of like that Daniel passage where there are evil spirits running history and empires that are horrible. Right. And so the, the one of the things just to notice here is that for most of church history, people did not go and pick these few random chapters in a right. couple books right. and then say, you know what? We should run our foreign policy through this. Right. And we no, exactly. should explain all the rest of the Bible through this. Right. It is a minority report. Like if you just asked everyone that had the word saint in front of their name in the Catholic church, what do you think about what, what, what Mark, one, as Charlie says, one of the greatest Bible teachers on planet earth Things like ninety five percent of them are going to be like, is he Christian? Like, <laughs> like it will just not make right. sense to them because right. the framing for most of church history isn't that what's happening is this secret battle you have no access to between cosmic forces that was called dualism. It was right. uh, it, it's not even a good monotheistic picture. They'll they'll say no, like the real problem is between God and sin, law, and death. Not like weird spirits and shit. Right. And you know what happened to sin, law, and death? They became subject to the son. The son became subject to the father so that God is all in all. Hashtag 1 Corinthians 15. That's right. what's going on in these things. Yeah. And, and like, but do you know what you gain when the secret to interpreting history 
is imposing all of history on a binary of for God or against God, what you get is this magic little pixie dust where all of a sudden your prejudice becomes justified by God. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's horrible. It, it also frustrates me a ton to see how clearly they pick and choose particular verses while ignore like the mark will will take revelation the most symbolic book in the entire bible like it's, it's apocalyptic literature like you said right he'll take that and say here's the literal reality of what's happening right now and then he'll look at something like you know jesus saying it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom and he'll go well you know man or you know james but 5 it, where, it's where, it's, it's, where, where it's, it's like a warning to rich oppressors right who are essentially you know stealing wages from their work Workforce. Well, you know, that would be Marxism or socialism. And, and that's where the individual, like individuals need, they, they'll explain those things away. And I think that's kind of my, my, my biggest frustration with all of this, right, on a personal level, is just how confident they are that they are giving you straight up biblical truth. But the reality is they are so foolishly ignorant. And then they mislead so many people to be convinced that what they're saying is what the Bible, quote unquote, clearly says, as if the Bible has a clear narrative anyway it's it's full of all different kinds of narratives and depends on on what part you're talking about and when it was written all that stuff it's very frustrating to watch the confidence of these men like they really actually know something that they clearly do not know much about or they do know that much about but have intentionally left parts out uh in order like you said to to justify their own prejudice it's very very frustrating okay here's where we're at we're at the two hour mark i'm gonna give you guys a, a secret we're only halfway through this video. There's no way I can go till one o'clock in the morning trip. Like it's just not going to happen. So we got to get to Mark's. We I think we're like minutes away from the when he's correct. Okay, we'll go. I, I'm going to go till about. I we'll go another 15, 20 minutes, and then I need okay. to not be on this live anymore. And I have to. Go no, to I bed. understand. Um, I also got to urinate. Yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> so let's get back into it. That I've heard. So is it fair to say God created everything, Genesis 1-1, including yep. all yes. the angels? Yep. Is it too far of a reach to say God then gave the angels agency? They've always oh, had agency because love requires agency. Really? It does? If you take Amen. away free will, you take away love because love is a choice. Yes. And so my wife Grace and I have been faithfully married 30 years. And it's not because every day she puts a gun to my head but because I choose to love her. And so you can get obedience without love and agency, but you can't get love without agency. And so God allows choice and freedom and will so that there can be love and genuine relationship. Yes. And so what we're seeing oh. you know, right now in our world, it's spiritual. And there are physical realities, but they're caused by spiritual entities. I mean, how else do you explain like, human trafficking and drug cartels and open border and mutilation of children in the name of care and state seizing custody of children with mental health disorders like gender dysphoria. How do you... I, I, I need to fact check you very quickly here. That last comment about, about the state seizing children with gender dysphoria is complete bunk. Okay. A couple laws um, in, in, in America in certain states have expanded uh, um, what constitutes taking in sheltered youth who are unhoused. 
or I'm sorry, unsheltered youth. So meaning like um, if an unsheltered youth is having a crisis or is experiencing whatever, gender, gender dysphoria, the state's allowed to give them care and then must also attempt to make all, um, um, uh, uh, must attempt to reunify with the family. So there, there's, there's this narrative out there from people like Mark and Charlie that there are these laws being passed where the state can go to your house and take your kids because they're trans and you don't support them. The reality is they simply extended uh, the definition of, of what can constitute as a crisis or what can constitute as care for unhoused or unsheltered, or sorry, yeah, youth. Uh, and then, like, essentially, if, if, if the youth runs away, the state can help them and then must try to reunify back to their parents. So uh, th th that's just one example, friends, of like yeah. how disingenuous this rhetoric actually is. Again, there's not a reality here uh, of what Mark's talking about. He's taking a hint of this, a hint of that, and then crafting his own narrative that then gets him and Charlie Kirk, you know, uh, high fives and like, yeah, Mark, you're telling the truth here because you're a bold alpha male to his base. That's all he's doing. There's well, nothing of substance here. Tim, the 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 phrase there's nothing of substance here i understand um but i don't want to overlook one of the two sentences that i just want to endorse let's do that uh, go ahead endorse it when he says if you take away free will you take away love because love is a choice and love requires agency i just want i i i just want to say mark there was a time we had this conversation and I made this point and I said, but if we say God is love, doesn't don't relationships require agency and freedom. And then that means that love is a risky endeavor, even for God, just like it is for us. And I say like, and I literally gave him this example. I said, when I said yes to Alicia at our wedding day, I didn't know what I was signing up to and she didn't. Right. But because of the freedom of each other, which is required, like love is a risk. And, and I'm going through this whole thing. And and he proceeds to tell me how I have been brainwashed <laughs> by uh, like postmodern relativism and like the, the 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 notion of American individualism and blah, blah, blah. just going on this rant because if I just really knew biblical Christianity <laughs> – <laughs> that I would know yeah. that free will is the illusion atheists give themselves. And like, and he just goes into this giant, you know, like, and that this was a point where he was a Calvinist, you know, where he had told his other version of himself, he was wrong. And this is now like, obviously the version he now thinks is really wrong. Right. But I just want to tell Mark, congratulations that you got to the point where you recognize that love requires agency. Yeah. And I just want you to pause, take a deep breath and say, Mark, you can forgive Mark. You were previous. Mark was wrong. You've made progress. You used to lambast, humiliate, uh, um, a, a, like attack Christians that thought that freedom was a gift of the God of love because God desired relationships and relationships required the risky vulnerability of freedom and agency. And you made fun of them and thought they didn't believe the Bible or care about it. Well, congratulations. You now disagree with that version of yourself that was a bit of an asshole. Um, and you humiliated people. And not even ability to imagine a Christian disagreeing with you in, in integrity. Like you mocked us. Hmm. And now you agree with us. And so... I would just like to celebrate that change and also 
offer you the opportunity to maybe, I don't know, grow a little bit in other places. Perhaps, uh, perhaps there's some other conclusions you've, you, you speak with the same kind of confidence and authority that maybe with different life experience, you might come to imagine is also problematic. Because there may have even been a few of them in this, in this conversation. I don't know. Let, let's say that you like quote an article. You don't actually footnote, mention the journal and have to go research it and find out that you bore false witness against an academic who spent time researching a multiplicity of religious traditions, but not all of them. Maybe you'd want to repent and say, I'm sorry, I bore false witness. The Bible says not to do that. My bad. Like you might also go on and say that like, yeah, I disagree with this Freudian interpretation because he actually thinks that top down phallic power isn't like it's a real problem. <laughs> and I love top down power, like really big top down power. Like that might be the case, but you at least bore false witness to that person. And then maybe like at the eschatological banquet, you go to Augustine and be like, look, also my bad. Look, I thought you were concerned about drag queen story hours. I was, about, it was my problem. I actually right. like what I did was is I found random quotes from the city of God and didn't read it. Right. And whoopsie doopsie. But <laughs> you know, my bad. Like, well, I just want to like pause for a moment, just to say like, we've demonstrated growth in Mark Driscoll. I want to celebrate it. He now thinks that the version of himself when he was a abusive pastor and publicly condemned and all these other kinds of things and bought his own books to make himself feel good to be on the New York Times bestsellers list and absolutely wasn't watching himself masturbate in a mirror. Maybe that version of him then was just like, no, there's no agency, blah, 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 blah. Now he's like, no, there is. Love requires agency and risk and these kind of things. Maybe we can also grow. And not bear false witness against scholars you utilize for your homophobic, transphobic agenda on Christian nationalist MAGA vibes. And also, maybe not throw like the greatest theologian in church history under the bus as if he cares about Drag Queen Story Hour. But this, this is my invitation. I just wanted to give a shout out to Mark for his growth, celebrate it, and like open, you know, open the gates of welcome. I think that is a great note to end on. A note you know of what? redemption for Mark. Praise the Lord. Because, I mean, that that is the reality, right? It's like anyone can change. I hope that Mark maybe realizes, like, the the, the damage he's doing and, and the people that he's partnering with. I think Mark is, um, is one of those people for me that is – I just wonder, like, how he justifies – his behaviors, how he justifies his rhetoric, and then claims that like he's a follower of Jesus. Like I, I, I mean, even on, on in a very simple way, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how you read the Sermon on the Mount and then make so many of the comments that Mark has made about Kamala Harris or Joe Biden or the quote woke joke that he calls people or the alphabet soup. I mean, he's just so dehumanizing in his rhetoric that it, it just baffles my mind to see him really claim to be someone who knows the Bible. Um, who, A, I mean, as you demonstrated, Trip many times tonight, doesn't really know the Bible. Uh, B, doesn't know the church history that he claims he's an expert on. But C, clearly jettisons like, you know, the Gospels and the, the Sermon on the Mount and other parts of the Scripture. So it's frustrating. But at the same time, you know, um, people can always change. Uh, I've changed certainly from where I was a couple of years ago. And I don't know if Mark 
I don't know if people like Mark are willing to change ever because the grift probably makes them a lot of money, gives them a lot of clout. I mean, Mark's Instagram account has tripled in size over the past like two or three years since he's gotten into this far right world. So I'm assuming that he sees this as success. You know, it's, he sees it as God blessing what he's doing. But the reality is that people like Mark and Charlie operate in places and in ways that just cause so much damage to everyone who is not like them. These are not people who are looking for uh, to respect the rights of others or who are looking to create societies that are more inclusive and more just. They're really looking for societies that uh, put them at the top of the of the heap and everyone else underneath of them unless they assimilate into this really uh, white nationalist version of, of the Christian tradition, which unfortunately has some very ugly roots in American history, um, which concerns me to see it kind of coming back around or some might argue maybe is taking full bloom. It depends on, I guess, how you want to look at it. So I think, you know, my ending thought on all of this is that um, people like Mark, on one hand, I don't take them seriously. On the other hand, I take them incredibly seriously because they have a lot of influence and they're connected to power and they're, they're connected, connected, connected to money. And people like Mark, these pastors, are giving people like Charlie in this right-wing borderline fascist movement, the religious underpinning of justification for their bad behavior and their dehumanization of others. And unfortunately, history can repeat itself. I think it is repeating itself. And we've seen what happens when these kinds of movements get radicalized and militant thinking that God is on their side and must exterminate the other. Violence is always right around the corner. So I think it's important for us to do these kinds of videos trip because you know people like yourself are are you know so well versed in these things way more than anyone like myself could ever be or ever even want to be. And it's important to have you and other folks doing the hard work of taking time out of your night to unpack 20 minutes out of a 45 minute broadcast to demonstrate how loaded these terms are, but also how there's nothing of substance underneath them. So I appreciate making time tonight. Well, I'll, yeah, it, one, I think this is fun. I like hanging out with you and I'll just say for everyone else, you don't have to watch the rest of the video, uh, but it doesn't get better because at one point, after getting on to the COVID conspiracy stuff, oh my God. Mark Driscoll literally says that the government canceled Easter. Like, <laughs> he's like, for the first time in history, the resurrection of Jesus was canceled. That is his quote. And I would just like, on behalf of biblical Christianity, <laughs> give a shout out to Paul and just say, like, no, no, no. Uh, the cross was the attempt to cancel the gift of new creation, participation in the divine life. Like that was the attempt and the resurrection already settled the problem. Like the, like sin, law and death, all these things, like they can do whatever they want to do, even put Jesus to death. And Easter's a celebration that God raised his ass from the dead. So right. I just want you to know that a mask or the requirement to celebrate the resurrection on YouTube streams or whatever actually cannot cancel the fact that God has chose deep solidarity with everyone that died cross dead, everyone that ex felt excluded, harmed, and rejected by the world 
uh, that, that all those who suffered deep injustice, God chose them deeply in the incarnation, chose deep solidarity all the way to the cross. And that in the resurrection, God has promised not just the Christ dead Jesus a future, but all of us. And that is called resurrection. And you want to know Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and even Donald Trump have zero agency. And yeah. now, look, I'm a fan of agency. I'm just saying they have zero agency in the ability to short circuit the power of the resurrection. When you meet a human being of any sort, even if they have nine fingers or two genitalia, they were made and known in the image of God and all that separates them from the divine life. God has embraced in the body of Christ and raised it to participate in the divine life. And so you can say he's risen indeed, even at drag queen story hour, even at a MAGA rally, because God is the one who asked us to pray for our enemies and turn the other cheek. The one that has decided us to like break down the boundaries of division that require like the idea that we can't celebrate the resurrection because of COVID lockdowns or X, Y, and Z is stupid. I think, I think Charlie and Mark need to trust in the power of the resurrection more. <laughs> like I just want to know that it is metaphysically impossible to conquer the resurrection because of some weird ass government policy. I love it. And I would, I would, if we had, you know, the other four hours, uh, point out seven different times in Kings where prophets violate government mandates to do what? Not worship in the way they want, but to care for the oppressed and the poor. And I'm just saying, if you want to violate mandates, if it involves solidarity with the least of these, uh, then, you know, more power to you. And send us an email. We're looking forward to being a part of it. Trips, thanks for making time, man. I really appreciate it. It was great having you on. Oh, I love hanging out with you. And uh, looking forward to the next time you trigger me with some <laughs> weird video. I'll send you a video. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk soon. Uh, friends, that's it. There it is. There's, uh, I mean, I, I I had a feeling that we weren't going to be able to get to through, through the whole video because there's so much more that we could unpack. And maybe at some point I'll go through some more and bring someone else on and we'll go through the rest of it because it does get real political real quick. Um, I appreciate you hanging out with me on this live and listening to it maybe on podcasts when we post it or on YouTube. If you want to support the work that we do, we are a nonprofit organization. We make all this stuff completely paywall-free. There's no Patreon account. There's no anything behind a paywall at all because people sustain the work through their generosity. If you want to donate, you can do that in the link in our show notes. Any donation of $5 a month or more or a one-time donation of $30 will get you entered to win some pretty cool prizes. We're doing a month-long giveaway. You can win some free coffee from Mad Priest Coffee, some free merch. You can even win co-hosting a podcast episode with me or our first ever TNE mystery box. So all donations go right to the organization. They don't go to me. They go to the organization to make make all this work possible as we hold space for people trying to navigate their faith in an attempt to find better paths forward far away from the Mark Driscoll and, um, you know, Charlie Kirk, far right Christian nationalist stuff. You can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, on podcasts, on YouTube, on Facebook. We are everywhere. And again, we thank you for being here. I'll talk to you all next time. Have a great night. I'm going to try and get some sleep. Wish me luck. Wish me luck.